0: buttons, and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 305. Today I'm going to chat with Becky Yackley, discuss an outrageous FFL revocation by the ATF, highlight the new echelon from Springfield, and talk about a bridezilla you're not going to believe. I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Becky, how are you doing?
2: Good. I'm excited to be here.
1: Thank you for having me. Of course. I, it's actually been, oh, like a, a few years since I've had you on. I had you on like right in the beginning when I first started the show, which we're going on almost six years now. So I got to say it was at least five years ago. So really yeah, happy was to have while. you back. Yeah. In fact, it would be kind of funny to go back and listen to that episode, but yeah. Um, Okay, so before we get into the show, I want to talk about BSF barrels real quick. You actually mentioned the other day that when you went on a, it was like a little, like a, a hunting, I want to say like a retreat-ish, right huh? Yeah.
2: Prairie dog hunt. It was a ladies prairie dog hunt with stag. And it was, I don't know, maybe you'd call it like a little retreat, a little getaway. Um, But we got to see some of their new guns that they're working on. They're not sure if this is the final iteration and configuration, but they did have some BSF barrels on them.
1: And you were actually saying you were like, oh, good. You're like, yeah, like when you saw BSF barrels on the show notes, you were like, oh, I could even talk about that. Like, I actually really liked them. So tell me about your experience. I mean, because you've had experience with like carbon fiber barrels in the past. How would you like compare BSF barrels to that?
2: So we spent a day and a half, I'd say, shooting. um, And the folks from STAG, they had everything zeroed before we got up there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they did put um, suppressors on. So we did just kind of plop down and prone real quick and shoot groups at hundred, just to make sure our zero hadn't shifted too much with the suppressor being added. Mm-hmm. And so I've had experience with, um, carbon fiber barrels for like PRS matches for a gun that I was carrying. So I wanted a lighter barrel and it's kind of the nature of carbon fiber barrels. People will say that you'll sometimes get a flyer and it's just part of how, how it works, you know, mm-hmm. versus an all steel barrel. So I was really impressed that shooting, I think there were six guns I went through, five or six guns that I went through because we were in a little bit of a, we wanted to conserve time. So everyone said, do we all want to shoot our own rifles? They're like, we're fine with Becky just puts, puts five rounds, you know, check the zero. So we just shot like quick groups through all of them. And I was really impressed that I didn't see, I didn't see flyers like I saw with the other type of carbon fiber barrel I'd worked with. And they were, you know, they're, we shot prairie dogs and got them pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, uh, So especially. I was impressed with the.
1: Well, I would think, is, I would, I would think, especially if you're shooting suppressed too, I mean, that tends to heat up the barrel a lot more as well.
2: Yeah. Well, just prairie dog hunting too. You're generally, if you see prairie dogs and you're there shooting, there's usually a good flurry of activity yeah. and a, a good bunch of rounds being put down and you're out in the sun and the heat and all that. So I'd never seen the BSF barrels before, so it was really interesting seeing how their carbon has the slots, I guess, what would you call it, slots in it? Yeah, like it
1: has like the little holes that kind of Mm -hmm. allow for the barrel to cool down a little bit quicker.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was impressed with the accuracy for the day and a half we spent with them, and I think I get to use one of those guns. I I think they're letting us keep one, and so I'm excited to see then, you know, what else can we push the accuracy on you know how far out mm-hmm. can we go with it and all that yeah definitely
1: well if you guys want to check out bsf barrels head on over to bsfbarrels.com don't forget to use the code elite 15 all one word e-l-i-t-e-1-5 and you're going to get 15 percent off your entire order
0: learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry
1: Becky, it's been a while since I've had you on. For people who may not be familiar with what you do in the industry, can you just kind of give me a little rundown as to, you know, what it is that you're known for in this industry?
2: Oh, geez. What am I known for? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, well, it's
1: a really long list.
2: (laughs) I feel like that's a... So my whole family competes. Um, So there's myself and my husband, Mark, and our three sons, Tim, Sean, and Andrew. And we have all been competing very heavily since 2012. But Mark and I started to compete when we were both younger. So I started in 1989.
1: So that probably makes me pretty old. But, um. Yeah, but I will say like when you said that, because we were just in California together and you were like, yeah, I've been competing since 1989. And I was like, oh, just I was three then. But it's crazy because like you don't look old at all. You look amazing. So it's oh, like thank you. it's crazy like you look amazing and you have all this knowledge under your belt and I feel like I could just talk to you forever because of all the knowledge that you have so don't uh, yeah don't discredit uh, yourself.
2: <laughs> right, right. No, no. I mean, it, it is something that I do struggle with sometimes because so I guess yes, I've been blessed with I'm not aging on the outside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, it's like my sore my sore knees and my my fingers, you know. Yeah. Um but so so I think that especially being a female and I'm not an aggressive personality. I mean, I'm, I probably am more aggressive when I'm on the range and in a match and all that. Cause you have to be, you're mm-hmm. there to compete. Right. Yeah. But like in general, I, I feel like I, can I mention our shot show interaction?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay. Okay. So it's funny because when we started and you said I hadn't been on the show, it was like six years ago, maybe. And, And I wanted to, I wanted to say, and sadly, that's my fault
1: because. Okay. So maybe I should just say it first. So I had Becky on the show and I was really impressed with Becky. And then I ran into you at SHOT Show, maybe it was that same year or something like that. And I was really excited. Like you were coming towards me and I was like, oh, cool. I can meet Becky. And you were just like, can you move? I have to get my stuff from under this table. And I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, what a bitch. I (laughs) know. I probably would have
2: felt the same thing.
1: (laughs) So then after that, I was like, well, screw Becky. Like, you know, don't meet your heroes, I guess.
2: (laughs) And it made me so sad because I was like, oh my gosh, SHOT Show is one hellacious week for us, especially for me, because my husband loves to talk. If you know him, you know, he loves to talk. And the the my sons, when we we're at Chacho, like they have stuff they want to see, you know, mm-hmm. especially my middle son, Sean's like he disappears and we all just kind of roll our eyes and like, oh shit, Sean's gone again. Where did he yeah. go? Yeah. Cause he's on a mission to see stuff. But so Shacho is like my week of just complete trying to schedule and be where we're supposed to be. And just like utter panic inside and trying to smile and be nice on the outside. And then watching my watch and my phone because none of my family does. And so I was probably late for something like I gotta get my bag. I gotta get my bag and just completely not reading things. Yeah. So it makes me really sad. So I, I'm not a bitch. No, you're I not. just you know, I, I just do I do juggle a lot. Um so besides shooting and competing and we compete in three gun, IPSC, USPSA, dabble a little in long range like PRS stuff, uh Bianchi pistol, but I write for women's outdoor news for NRA women blog for winchester i've written for guns america gun world hook and barrel like you name it i've i've worked a lot on the backside i manage social media for a brand so i i'm busy where people are like joking like wow do you sleep mm-hmm. and i actually probably average about two nights a month where i don't sleep i just kind of work because my brain just doesn't shut off
1: yeah so no, absolutely then there's sense. the down
2: times where Ava might walk up to you and I'm at uh, me and I might go, I'm
1: just looking for my bag. Yeah. <laughs> like you're a zombie and you're like, I just need my bag and I need to get out of here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it comes across the wrong way. So yeah. anyhow, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of women in this industry really do hustle. They work hard. I mean, I'm looking at the notes for this podcast that you have here and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of work
1: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um. Which... You know, you see people like Julie and... Julie Golub and others where you you realize they're not just showing up at matches and shooting and taking a few photos. They are busting their butt behind the
1: scenes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think so recently we reconnected in California just this past weekend or this past week, actually, it's the same week. And at first when I heard you were going, I was like, OK, you know, I guess this will be interesting. Um, but I'm actually really glad that we reconnected because we hit it off really well. And I was like, wow, like. I really got to know you and I was just like so impressed with everything that you're doing. So impressed with the knowledge that you have. I think you're like one of the most knowledgeable females that I've ever talked to. And you had really great ways of, you know, if there was something that I had a question about, or even when you were talking about certain guns or the internals or, you know, anything like that, like I felt comfortable asking you questions and I was just like, just very impressed with you. And then I also was so impressed with your gardening skills, your cooking skills. Uh Like I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, is there anything that you don't do and that you don't do well? Because it seems like you're conquering everything. And so we also hit it off when we were talking about plants and stuff like that. And yeah, I just, I mean, if nothing else, I'm really glad that I took this trip to California just to get to know you better and spend time. Cause I feel like I mean, at this point, I feel like I'm gonna bother you all the time and like be like, "Hey, Becky, BFF." Hey,
2: <laughs> well, no the plant the plant stuff was fun. It's it's kind of interesting to me in the last couple of years mm-hmm. with all that's going on in the world to see how many people who are on the two way side of the world in the firearms industry, how many of them are interested in gardening and self sustenance yes. and all those sort of uh, you know I don't want to say prepper. But that we are interested in being self sufficient.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. And
2: that there's so many ways our paths cross outside of the range. And that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Before we start talking about like our trip to California, just kind of give me a rundown as to, because you've won a lot of, and like I'm not really, you know, I'm not in the pro shooting community. So I will like, excuse my verbiage, but like some of the awards and medals and stuff that you've done. Cause I mean, you've accomplished a lot just in your career. So can you just kind of highlight some of the more important ones?
2: Sure, sure. So like, if you've been shooting since 1989, (laughs) (laughs) you probably have a few things on the shelf. So, you know, there are some things I'm really proud of and some things that I feel like awards and trophies and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's cool. I am honestly more proud of like what you just said about being Actually knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and able to share that with others and articulate things in a way where other people feel like interested, not oh no, I feel dumb because I don't know this or that. Yeah. You know. Um, so I think I'm honestly the most proud of that and my family. Mm -hmm. And then like we've done some really cool stuff together. Tim, my eldest, we've been on the US teams for shotgun, rifle, and pistol. So we're some of like just a handful of people who've actually performed at a level to represent the US in shotgun, rifle, and pistol. So I'm, I'm proud of that because it's, you know, kind of speaks to the overall skill level, not just kind of one thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's IPSC, which is International Practical Shooting Confederation. And the U.S. version of that is USPSA. That's our region for IPSC. So USPSA people tend to think just of pistol, but there are multi-gun competitions. And then we shoot in 3 gun. And so that's kind of where we're the most known. So I guess that skill that transfers across all these different disciplines, three gun, you kind of combine it all. And it's honestly the most fun because you don't have just one firearm. You're juggling all three on the move. (laughs) Kind of someone asked once, like, what does it take to do well at three gun or what goes through your head? And I said, it's remembering what you're supposed to do while you're doing it and watching what you're doing and making corrections for what you just did so that you can do better at what you're going to do next. (laughs) Um, So it's a lot of like mental management um, Mm -hmm. on the clock under pressure. So that we've been, we're, we're pretty darn successful there, you know, got a lot of wins there. And then Bianchi, Bianchi. So that's the big pistol match, the Bianchi cup. And my eldest, Tim, has won the juniors four times. Sean once. He kind of got screwed because of COVID. (laughs) There was no match. And then he wasn't a junior anymore. And then Andrew won it. And this year was actually the first year in eight years we didn't shoot the match. I've won the ladies title once. And then I went, like, overall ladies. And then I've won the ladies limited title three three times, four times. So that's like iron sights. Mm-hmm. So we started shooting banky so that we would become better pistol shooters for three gun, and then we realized we're pretty darn good at this because it's all like par times. It's lots of pressure. So anyhow, those are like the biggest things we've done competition wise. Wow. And you know we've been on teams, and yeah, I don't. We've done some TV shows. Tim's Tim's won some of the biggest TV show like purses out there. And that's probably something else I'm pretty proud of. Just the fact that it's taken the family working together and everybody. You know, like one person can go out and perform, but you need that kind of support behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So last year there was that Prairie Fire, that big um, pistol tournament down in Texas, and it had a quite a large uh, prize. And Tim showed up, and it was really funny because the wife of one of the people behind. Prairie Fire was asking, they didn't know us. And they were just asking kind of, you know, like, oh, so how, you know, like, how do you think you're going to do? What do you, what do you think? And, and I said, I kind of wanted to make Tim and Sean walk away, but I was like, well, he's old enough to hear this. I just said the last time there was a match, a big prize money match, Tim won against several of the people that are here today. So I think he's got good odds. And so as the night went on and he went further and further, it was just awesome to see. Wow. Because he's got like the mental, the mental game. And then seeing my sons over there on the sidelines, like helping reload mags and get each other ready. And like, this is good to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely like something I really admire just, you know, from the family aspect, like how close you guys are. And I think everyone kind of deep down wishes they had a family that was very similar, you know? And then it's also really impressive to not only have like you know, just one person in the family winning, but like you guys are all just, you know, like all of you guys have taken home a lot of awards. So congratulations. And then you also have traveled all over the world, which that was also something that I found really interesting when you were talking about, you know, going to the Philippines, uh, going to Thailand. And it's kind of cool that like your guys' shooting activities have taken you all over the world, which is something that I guess I don't really think about because when we hear about like shooting sports, we think about within the U S but some of these, you know, competitions take place in like other countries and just hearing about your experiences traveling to these other countries with your guns where guns right. are typically like, you know, I mean, even some of the people we were with, they were like, wait, you went through there. You went through like with, with Russia. Ammo too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. went through Russia with your gun and ammo and you were like, yeah. yeah, and it was just, yeah. So, like, where are some of just so that listeners know, um, like, where are some of the places that you've gone out of country?
2: So, I think like the coolest and most most planning required was Russia. Uh, so, we went to Moscow in 2017 for rifle world shoot. Sam was the top placing U.S. shooter. They won the Mettons team won a medal, and then we went to Italy. Sweden for rifle again, France for shotgun. I've been to the Czech Republic for pistol. That's a place, it's really affordable. People should go there. Uh, And then Philippines, Thailand, Puerto Rico will go. I mean, that's the US, but if you have to go somewhere and don't have a passport, it's a pretty cool and easy little vacation. Yeah. But so I think the thing that traveling with the firearms there has taught me is, you know, planning and (laughs) organization and all that. But it's, it's been great for the kids because they've seen some different places. Tim's seen most of them. Sean and Andrew have not been as interested in some of that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, and it's, it's kind of for better or worse, (laughs) Tim comes home sometimes like he got really sick in Thailand and it's a really, really like arduous travel. Like you're traveling for a full day before you get there. And so he decided not to go for shotgun this year, even though he would have been on a team. So I think it's it's difficult sometimes because the younger two, they they you know, Tim comes home, he's like, Oh my gosh, that was rough. Yeah. And so it kind of colors it. But I do think that people don't realize how easy it actually is to go to other countries and see things and even to shoot matches. There's we have a good friend, Rob Laselica who's a police officer in New York, and he has traveled for shotgun probably more than anybody in the country right now, because he's just gone for fun to like. Greece and Hungary and shoots shotgun matches, IPSC shotgun matches. So it's it's not undoable. It just takes a little bit of extra paperwork.
1: Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I'm going to take yeah. a quick break. Talk about Gators eyewear. One of the things that I often hear, you know, when I'm like, if I'm, you know, sporting my Gators wear people are like, "Yeah, I really like those sunglasses, or you know, the Eye Pro," but I just don't think they'd fit my face because my face is, you know, let's say my head's bigger or it's smaller, or I don't like this. And what's great about Gators, because I'll say, like, when I first tried on Gators, I was like, "No, this feels weird," but then when I messed with the nose pieces, so you can like extend them out. So if you feel like your glasses are sitting too far, you know, on your face and you want them out a little bit, or you know, depending on like the bridging your nose and stuff, you could adjust that. They're aluminum frames. So you could also make adjustments to fit. Like if you have a wider head or a skinnier head. And these are like some of the most versatile glasses that I've ever had. And it's crazy because like even when I'm like, no, I typically don't wear those frames. Like I don't wear the so like the sky hooks like i have never thought that like those glasses would look good on me and i get so many compliments on those glasses so even if like it's not your typical you know like you know how you like you gravitate towards a certain frame like i typically gravitate towards more square frames because my face is more round so i'm like it kind of equals it out a little bit it still it fits well and it actually looks really good so i would highly recommend them they come in a variety of different frames colors the mil-spec ballistic lens, for example, they're all rated for safety, but the mil-spec ballistic lenses, for example, they're rated to take a hit from a 15 caliber projectile at 700 feet per second without cracking. Let's face it. Like we only have one set of eyes, so you really want to make sure that you're taking care of it. And if you were to get hit with like a high-speed ricochet, you know, you definitely want to make sure that it's not going to crack your glasses. So check it out. Use the URL gators, G-A-T-O-R-Z forward slash Ava, A-V-A. And if you use that URL, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Becky, let's talk about California. So we met up in California and we were there from Monday to Wednesday. And it was interesting because we flew into Burbank and then we drove like an hour and a People are like, well, what part of California did you go to? And I'm like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I guess it was like it was over by like Lake Hughes. Um, yeah. But it was like really dry. So if you guys could hear my voice like, oh, I don't normally sound like this. Like I sound a little, you know, like I have allergies or something. I think it's allergies and maybe a slight cold because it was so dry and dusty that it definitely kind of, I don't know, it like by the end of the trip, like my throat was kind of hurting, like. My nose wasn't so bad, but then I came home and it's like now just adjusting to Colorado's climate, which is typically dry. But with all the rain we've been getting, California was a lot drier. Like we were we're talking about like desert. But- yeah,
2: I, I mean, I was shocked at how dry it was, and it just made me very grateful for living in the Midwest because you know you always see this stuff on on the news and read about the the water issues out in California, and I mean that it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Water is a scarcity in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Um, So we went out there to do some product testing for a company that created this app. And the app essentially allows you, so you'd mount your red dot, your optic, whatever you would, you know, in the app, choose the gun, the optic that you're using, the caliber. And then you use their specific targets and you would print them out like on, they're made to be like the size of, you know, your typical printing paper, which is what, like... Eight and a
2: half by 11, yeah. Okay.
1: And so you select that target, and then you shoot the gun, and then depending on... You take a picture of that target, and depending on where your hits are, it tells you exactly where to adjust your sights. And it's kind of... It's nice because it'll tell you, like, on the side, you know, if you're going up or, you know, like, where the mechanics are, the little mechanisms. Because I know, like, the first time I saw a red dot, I'm like, how do you even... Zero this in, you know, if you've never seen it before, and as a beginner, it is kind of intimidating. So it shows you exactly like where the little knobs are, and you know, and to turn five clicks right or, you know, uh 40, even as much mindset, 47 clicks to the left. And then as a result, you essentially would have your red dot zeroed in. You take a few more hits, take a picture, and it would tell you if you need to make any other adjustments. So it's kind of a cool concept. I think that there would be a need for it for especially beginners and with Red Dots, especially being kind of, you know, like on majority of handguns nowadays and then even rifles. So I definitely think that there's a need for it. And then in addition to that, you could also have some sort of like, you know, like friendly competitions with people where you guys would be shooting the same target. And you and I went up against each other and I was like, cool, well, I'm going to lose. And... (sighs) You shot well. You
2: shot well. I think um they're you know they're very basic challenges.
1: I think they, that anything They were that basic. Be- they were basic, but I still was just like, uh, okay, well, but I actually was I felt like I did fairly well. Like the first time that we went up against each other, I lost by 5 points and your grouping was point 2 better than mine. And I was like, Dang. Okay. Like, at least it wasn't like I lost by 30 points. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Sorry. No, but it, you know, I mean, you're right. It was a basic competition. And at this point, we were shooting handgun because we also shot rifle and we were shooting handgun. And it was like, what, five shots? 10 yards. Yeah. 10 yards, five shots, change your mag, and then another five shots or something like that.
2: Yeah, and it's—I mean, it's—it's it's always difficult to pick up some gun that you've never shot before. Like these were just—well, I shot like a stock block. You had some ones that had maybe a little done to it.
1: I think he, yeah. So this guy Mark from—I want to say First Defense USA—is his mm-hmm. IG handle. It's Mark Ackenbach or Ackenbach. Ack, i thought it was Ackman. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna—I'm
2: gonna use the inter—the the interwebs um i'm just gonna search them here but you know when you're shooting something that's not yours or like stock guns so you're like oh i'm trying to do this speed challenge and you realize hey the people who work with stock guns all the time and can do these speed challenges great they're used to the you know as is mag um uh, like
1: the atrocious mag release, and, and, yeah no yeah. no
2: and the trigger and yeah yeah yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, because so, at one point you got stuck on the mag release which is something that i mean glocks are kind of known the mag stock and i'm shaking yeah. it like Yeah, And and I've noticed actually with all my beginner students, Glock magazine releases in general, everybody like struggles with. And I think it's because the mag release doesn't really stick out that much and they don't really, Mm -hmm. you know, it is kind of one of those things where there's a little bit, it's not the easiest to use um, to change out the mag, but you're right. Your mag got stuck, which probably worked in my, it definitely worked in my advantage because it bought me some time. But yeah, so that was kind of fun. And if anybody's wondering what the app is called, it's called double shoot and we i think
2: i think for the new shooter it's going to have application you know the new person who's never mounted an optic
1: yeah you know yeah and then you could also do it you know with rifle as well and we also did a rifle competition together and that one i did horrible because i was using somebody else's gun somebody's red dot which they had an EOTech on theirs, and I don't use EOTech. I think I own one EOTech, but for whatever reason, the freaking red dot, like, disappeared. You can see in the video, I'm, like, looking for, like, moving this gun around, and I'm just, like, did the optics shut off on me by accident, or, like, it was just weird, it, like, disappeared, so, like, you already shot off your shots. I'm still looking for the red dot. I know. (laughs) You needed, you deserved a redo. It was, it was so bad, but... Yeah, so I think like you and I, we both have the app on our phone. I would say you and I both have to do some testing with it because being on the range and like using it a few times, I don't think it was sufficient enough to really give like
2: form an opinion. Yeah, like yeah, hey, I think this is amazing. Hey, I think this is like I just want to know whether it's efficacious. Like, does it do what it says it does? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel so it's always something where like you don't want to have a, a what's the word called not prejudice, prejudice. Um, uh, when you're, when you're using something and someone else is telling you what to do, like yes. you need to just use it on your own without mm-hmm. anybody like over your shoulder saying hit this button or do that Yeah, um, Pre- to get a good idea.
1: Absolutely. Cause I don't think that the app was that user-friendly. Like if they didn't tell me what to do, I would have thought like, okay, you know, do a select the drill, input your firearm, your caliber distance target, And then they say, like, click off to the side. But I would have probably scrolled down, you know, to select, like, okay or something like that. And so it wasn't as intuitive. I think that the app has some work to be done to it. But I do think that it would have its benefits, especially for all of the new shooters out there. And we've gotten, you know, millions of new shooters in the last couple of years.
2: I want to actually take a little Glock that I have and... Purposely dial the sight off, take it off the gun, and have my niece, who's very like novice with firearms, have her do it and use the app and kind of see what her experience is. Mm -hmm. It just needs to stop raining, and we need the rain, so I'm not complaining yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then also because there was another woman with us, and she ended up turning the little what would you call it? I don't know on the red dot her her
2: adjustments. You know the the winded or I think she did the elevation adjustments the wrong direction
1: yeah she did it the opposite then she took a obviously she was even farther off and then took a picture of that and then the app told her to make you know and then she made the correct adjustments and then she was hitting in the bullseye yeah i don't know maybe more to come with that we shall see but i'm going to take another break talk about mantis Becky, I was telling you about Mantis, which you're familiar with, but you said that yeah. right now you're in the mix of training for a shotgun competition, right? hmm And so I was like, oh, you should use Mantis for this. Like, this would be the perfect app to use. So just tell me some of the stuff that you've been doing to kind of get yourself ready for this shotgun competition.
2: Well, so when we shoot this shotgun match, it's IPSC, Shotgun World Shoot, and it will be different. It's a different rule set than most matches in the U.S. Is, are run under because you have, uh, if we shoot shock and it's like a three-gun match and people will say outlaw three-gun, and by that they mean that it's not under any organization. So if we shoot IPSC or USPSA, you follow their rules. Outlaw matches are just kind of the matches rules. And for the most part, they're very similar but I think it's kind of a very American thing that people have tried in the past. All the big match directors around the country tried to get like, hey, let's solidify and get our, our rules set down. And everyone's too strong of an opinion, which I kind of respect it, honestly. Mm-hmm. But so it's a, a little bit of a different rule set. Like we have different start positions, different uh, rules on the guns and and just a few little things. But so something like Mantis is helpful when you're dry firing. You want to be able to understand Things like okay, the the feedback that you get from from a dry fire, pro, you know, system like this is you can understand your draw time to your first shot. You can understand whether you know is it better for me to hold the gun touching here or touching there. So for my shotgun, I'm saying or or rifle or whatever. So like the Blackbeard, you can use that with rifle or your PCC because they can actually function and you can fire. You know, uh, I'm saying fire with, with air quotes. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of information you can get about. Just your movement. So a lot of shooting fast, if you're in a speed event, isn't necessarily about shooting fast. It's about making everything you do in between pulling the trigger as succinct as possible. So if you're able to set up a drill where, say, you're, you know, figuring out what am I doing to improve my draw or to improve mounting my gun to my shoulder and getting that first round off, getting my sights on target sooner, all that sort of stuff, that's where dry fire stuff can really help you.
1: Hmm. And what's great about Mantis is it does track all of your movement, like before, during and after your shot, which, you know, if you're moving all over the place from even just lifting that shotgun up to shouldering it to taking that first shot, you could look at that and analyze it and be like, OK, I could actually save quite a bit of time if I just drew it like this instead. And right. So like
2: one one uh, way of thinking about something like a draw, people so my oldest, Tim, he worked at Tactical Performance Center out in Utah for a while and worked with Ron Avery. And one of the, Ron's favorite things to say, he'd, he'd talk about like a draw and getting on target with your sights. And he'd say, when you ring a doorbell, that's a fine motor skill, right? Mm-hmm. You pick up your hand, you push one finger on the doorbell. You don't do it as fast and aggressively as possible. <laughs> you just take your hand and you reach the doorbell. And you, you generally hit the doorbell, right? Yeah. And so he talked about the draw that way in your first shot that... Sometimes people get so like crazy aggressive, whereas if they were just smoother and maybe a little more purposeful, the speed will come. But something, so seeing that in Mantis, like if you did a crazy fast draw and got that gun up as fast as you can and shoved it out to get your sights out there, I think you're going to see a lot more movement or, you know, you're going to see a different movement than if you just nice and cleanly Mm -hmm. draw and press out to the target.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And you're right. And I think I'm the type that like once that buzzer goes off and you're just like, and you like freak out, you move every different direction. And I would be that person. (laughs) But yeah, so if you guys want to use Mantis, you could use it depending on which one you get, like the X-10, you could actually use it for dry fire as well as live fire. They have it for rifle as well. They also have adapters. So you know, it could fit like on the tubes of your shotgun, or if you don't have a Picatinny rail or something like that, check it out mantisx.com. Another thing that we did in California because we were on a ranch, which, mind you, okay, so <laughs> we went three days. Essentially, we got we flew in in the morning and then we flew out. So I guess okay, let's say like two and a half days without cell service. We had Wi-Fi and that was iffy. But I'm like, cool, thanks for the heads up that we are going to the middle of nowhere to some like farm and there wasn't going to no be self-service. I'm like, imagine if you ran out of gas. I didn't even see like a gas station within like an hour.
2: Yeah, Did it you- was, it was, a. Li- I was very really glad that we were together the whole time because I think it's another thing, like females in the firearm industry for a bunch of guys to say, hey, dude, so-and-so come up and we're going to check this out. You don't have, I don't know, I guess, you still should have safety concerns mm-hmm. right but it was it was a little i don't know it wasn't like i was working with people i had known i'd met before cuz yeah. we never met anybody so i think in that regard it was interesting and i'm glad that we were all together <laughs> yeah
1: which you were saying you were like yeah i was tempted to ask the driver who picked us up like hey can i stop off at a gas station and then you're going to like <laughs> buy a knife or and i was like should we make a shank like what do we need to do you know at first just kind of but the guys were really nice
2: yeah, um, they were nice folks. It's, but it, it is, it is again, I think something that people definitely need to be aware
1: of, you know. Mm-hmm, you got to be aware of your
2: safety and what's going on around you and where you are and all that. And Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: because, but the farm
2: was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so it was. There was like a bunch of apple and pear and peach trees, oh, and olive trees. There were some goats, chickens, some peacocks. And so we were on this farm and your niece sent you a video about hypnotizing chickens. And we were like, you know what, what else do we have? We're on this farm. We don't have Wi-Fi or we have Wi-Fi, but we don't really sell service. So it's like, why don't we just, you know, entertain ourselves? And so we decided to hypnotize this chicken and When I say we, I was the camera person. I held the camera and recorded it. And then you did all the dirty work.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. I think I really want to try it again. I've not had time since I've been home. Yeah, I want to try it with our chickens because I do think that chicken was a little freaked out and they were all, so they, they had a big bin of soldier fly larvae, which is like grubs essentially. And the chickens love them and it's good and nutritious for them. So uh, Oded, one of the owners, the guy who owns a farm, he said, you can go on over and feed them some of those if you want. So we brought the bucket in and obviously they knew what they were. So we kind of lured them in that way. And then I waited, to, you know, kind of get behind one. And I, I just think that the other chickens were kind of coming in and making a big scene. Yeah. If it had all been calm. It would have maybe hypnotized the
1: chickens. Right. I know, because the one that you grabbed, it was like freaking out. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to go wrong so bad. Like, I was even freaked out. But I don't know. It like seemed to work for like a quick second. But I do think that, you know, if the chicken wasn't so freaked out, because I, I get the feeling that these chickens aren't picked up a lot. So I would say if you did it with like a chicken that you have that's more comfortable with you, it might work. So still, it hasn't been proven if it, you know, works or not. Uh, they're still, you know there's still some still testing r- remains to
2: be settled yeah
1: but essentially what it means is so what this video showed is you grab the chicken and you draw a line from its beak and all the way forward about a, a foot or so and then it's supposed to like hypnotize or relax them and yeah so. someone
2: commented on that video saying their eyes are on the side of their head they can't see the line yeah,
1: <laughs> and then I <laughs> joked I was like uh, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie have nothing on us like because we're on this farm <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No,
2: it was, it was interesting. I don't, so I, it's funny cause I see so many people that have chickens who like hold them
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we don't really hold our chickens ever. I think I've had friends whose kids come over and they try to, cause they're like, Oh, they're so pretty. Like there was one really pretty, like kind of fawn colored chicken that I had a couple years ago and she's gone now cause we have foxes. Mm. And, uh, anyhow, we don't, I'm, so I'm not really I'm not really adept at picking up chickens and catching them (laughs) because I don't try to. Yeah.
1: So maybe it will work with your chickens or maybe it won't. Maybe we'll still be in the same bucket since you don't really, you know. Yeah.
2: I think maybe at night I can go in there when they're all calmed and settled down and like just before dark, Yeah. see if one of them will let me hold
1: them. Yeah. There you go. All right. So kind of wrapping things up, what are your future plans that you could share with us?
2: Um, so for the rest of the year, we have some matches, uh, mostly three gun and IPSC, because I'm going to go to Thailand. We have a, a fair number of three gun matches and some pistol. Like I'm going to go in the morning with my son and shoot a Wisconsin, like our section match for uh, USPSA. But lots of writing and content work.
1: Nice. Very nice. And then it's for the biggest, for people who want to follow you on social media, what are your handles?
2: So it's just Becky Yackley on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm trying to start doing more on Twitter because supposedly it's supposed to be a little friendlier now. Yeah. Uh, and that's just at Yakley and then the number five.
1: All right. Perfect.
2: I thought it was just mm-hmm. like,
1: well, th- yeah, that makes sense. Yakley five. Because yeah. there's five of you. Yeah.
2: There's five of us. Yeah. We were trying to think, how do you, do we, you know, like when you're trying to do, names or handles for social media channels, it becomes a little, I don't know, you get frustrated. Like, do I say Yackley family, team Yackley? Yeah. How do you do it? And, and like, even things as, as little as, okay, so we said Yackley five and then the number five wasn't showing up years ago. I don't know if it still happens now, but it wasn't showing up for them to tag because it was a number and not a word. Very weird.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I also yeah. just recently created a Twitter account and cause I'm just like everything else we're getting shadow banned. So I feel like Twitter yeah, is okay. kind of our only option. So I've, you know, and I've actually been fairly active on Twitter. It's kind of interesting to, I don't know, I've become very opinionated over the years. So I've been having fun with Twitter, just kind of, you know, like, you know, David Hogg, like ragging on him or, uh, just kind of voicing my opinion. So it's been kind of enjoyable so far. But
2: I think what everyone uh so uh FPC on David Hogg's birthday. I know. I think he had tried to do a fundraiser or something and somebody else kinda of hijacked the idea and raised money for FPC for Firearms Policy Coalition. And that was amazing.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. I thought that was actually hilarious as well.
2: If a gun rights organization could hijack something as successfully as that once a month, it would be
1: a thrill to see that. Absolutely. I agree. All right. So everyone go follow Becky on social media. And now we're going to get on with the rest of the show before we do IWI. do you have any experience with any IWI products? I do. Yeah,
2: we because IWI has sponsored a lot of three gun matches, a lot of USPSA matches. They have really kind of invested in the firearms community for for years now. So it's, it's fun to see them out and about and see them on your podcast here.
1: Yeah. Well, and plus, uh, so the director of marketing, Jeremy, we mentioned him actually a few times when we were in California and He also does a lot of like competition shooting and stuff like that. And again, like I said, I'm not like a pro shooter, but I have noticed that they're very active in sponsoring a lot of these events, which is good because, you know, I think it's important to keep all this stuff alive and well. But you'll see if you follow like Jeremy from IWI, he's always shooting, obviously, IWI products in the matches, including the Zion 15, which is their AR that they make right here in the U.S., in I believe Middletown, Pennsylvania. And that's actually a really nice AR, especially if you want something that's fairly affordable. I believe MSRP is, it's just at like, just slightly under a thousand dollars and has a lot of awesome upgrades, like a 4150 chromoly barrel, it's mid-length gas system, which helps I think with recoil, a 15 inch free flow m handguard. And then the Grip and the Stalker from B5 Systems, which a lot of people really like. If you find anything in their web store, just head on over to IWI.us, look in their web store, and if you want to buy something, make sure you use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order.
2: You've got some good discount codes on your
1: podcast here. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF.
1: Today in politics. Well, I saw this recently. It was floating all over social media. And I did some research into it to see like, okay, what happened? So... Essentially, so ATF retaliates for lawsuit. So Morehouse Enterprises in North Dakota teamed up with Gun Owners of America in the first lawsuit filed to fight the ATF's illegal frame and receiver rule. That rule is now vacated, but the ATF has since retaliated. Right after Morehouse and GOA's suit against the rule, ATF responded by conducting the store's first inspection.
2: At the time Oh, that's not coincidental. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. At the time, the industry operations inspector, which let's just say IOI, just to keep things short, Jacob Tent, jokingly told the store owner that the ATF discussed whether the inspection would look like retaliation for the court case. The IOI said originally the ATF would delay any inspection for at least three years, pending litigation, but the ATF decided to conduct the inspection anyway. The IOI's report said the store did well on their overall level of compliance and expressed approval for the job the shop has done to ensure they followed ATF regulations. Every single firearm was accounted for. All 2,700 guns that the store acquired were documented. So were all 2,400 depositions of firearms. The shop felt good about the inspection, but that was all about to change. On March 6, the ATF issued a report of violations where they found five policy violations, three of which were simple paperwork errors Failing to record a return of a firearm that came in for gunsmithing, accidental writing a customer social security number in the Nix transition number box, and then missing number on a Nix transaction number. The two more serious violations were transferring a handgun to a Georgia resident and allowing the same customer to use a concealed carry permit in place of a Nix check, which is kind of big in a sense because, I mean, if they don't have that, I know in some states if you have your... Can still carry a permit. You don't have to go through a background check, but um, this was in North Dakota, (laughs) and that's not allowed.
2: But I wonder if it's allowed under the Georgia rules. And like, this is me just wondering. So, is it allowed under Georgia rules? And does the person doing the background check go? Oh, it's Georgia. I have to abide by the. You know what I mean? Like, was it something?
1: Yeah, that's actually that's a good point.
2: Like who did it was it the person who normally does it and Mm -hmm. runs them or was it like you know the weekend help i mean i think those are all legitimate things because it is such a maze of rules and regulations i wouldn't want to do it
1: yeah absolutely i mean so either way so clearly no rogue behavior under normal circumstances and even under, under biden's like quote unquote zero tolerance policy these violations only merit a warning conference even so, ATF notified Morehouse Enterprises on May 23rd that they were revoking both of the company's FFLs, even though the second FFL did not have any violations, and even under current policy, revocation is not warranted. Morehouse has teamed up with GOA yet again to sue the ATF for revoking their FFLs. GOA's statement said that the Bureau's action are arbitrary, capricious, and abuse of discretion and not in accordance with law.
2: I think this sounds like there needs to be a class action lawsuit for everybody the ATF has gone after after they've filed a lawsuit one and everyone where they've revoked anything without, you know, like whatever the policy says, like where you say this merits a warning conference. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's had their they should really truly they should all lawyer up to one big class action thing because that's a bigger deal for ATF to
1: deal with. Oh, yeah. And then plus, I mean, ATF is constantly like they're taking away tons of people's FFLs, like they're at all time highs where it's like they have absolutely no tolerance for any little mistake. And, you know, it's it's a lot of it's like clerical errors where even not writing like the number up at the top of the NICS, you know, around the 4473. I mean, it's just like some of this stuff is like really ridiculous. And then also among other violations, the lawsuit states that their due process rights have been violated with retaliatory prosecution and their first amendment rights have been violated because the atf is interfering with their right to sue the government so we will see how so that
2: that's goes. yeah so i wonder with the like the improper or missing nick's transaction number so if it's missing from the 4473 form i mean like i get stuff from rffl all the time so we're chatting there and then there's points where i just stop talking because i'm like they're writing numbers i want them to write these numbers correctly i don't want any i don't want to wait for something you know yeah but it makes me wonder. Okay, so all FFLs have a logbook too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know the process, but is the NICS number in the logbook and just not on the on the paper forty four seventy
1: three? No. So the NICS number, so the NICS number is like the approval. There's the approval right. and the NICS number. But from my understanding, I think it's just the number that you would number that forty four seventy three. And I didn't even well, know, know-
2: that. They write something once, like they they you fill out the form. They like dial into the system or whatever. Like at least with my FFL, like they go on the computer online in the system, and then like they get some kind of confirmation number back. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
2: and they write that on the form. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, what I I guess my question is: Is it just the form that they have, or do they have a log book where they keep all this stuff too? So, because I know like my dad, gunsmiths, and they always have a log book because he does more like barrel fittings and things Mm -hmm. like that. So he's not running background checks or anything. He's just kind of logging. So I just kind of wonder, do FFLs transferring have a log book in addition to those forms? Because I'd be curious. Yeah. you you,
1: You have to keep a log book. So you have to keep a acquisition and deposition book. And I have mine on a Excel spreadsheet as well. So that's not alone. That's not good enough. You have to have an actual like book for it.
2: So I wonder, is their number, is it all recorded in the logbooks and it's just because it's missing on a form? Because that seems really petty.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you would record that. Huh, that's actually a good point. Yeah.
2: So did they technically (laughs) violate anything Mm -hmm. if it's recorded?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of details that that I'd like to know. I mean, either way, it's just, it's ridiculous. And then to take the, the guy's second FFL, where there was absolutely no issues with that,
2: They need to sue about that one for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
2: It's crazy. I mean, I know an FFL who had uh, multiple firearms from the same person come in. And and I think that they just did like a ditto mark for the address. Like they wrote everything and then serial numbers and all that stuff correctly. But they did a ditto for the address and the ATF wanted to like... I think they made them go to like a hearing over that.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. So like when I worked for my dad... With a lot of the distributors, for example, that they would order guns from, instead of just constantly writing out like the name, the FFL, the address, they had stamps made so that they could just stamp it in that area. And obviously, there wouldn't be any issues. Like, you know, it would be no misspellings, it's all the same. (laughs) Yeah, everything's in there. They wouldn't try to have to read somebody's handwriting. And even that, they said that you couldn't use the stamps. And it's like, well, what if you order 30 guns from the same manufacturer? You're sitting there writing out everything like some of it it just gets to a point where it's like kind of ridiculous, like the whole idea of having a logbook is so that you can refer back to it and know exactly, you know, where you got it from and who you disposed it to. Right. So it's
2: well, and the whole idea of, you know, people trying to simplify and make, you know, standard or I mean, like to me, the, the changes all the time are frustrating. They like, they just added the whole, do you live in, in town or outside of town or something or in the city limits or whatnot? And it's like, they're using this, in my opinion, it seems like they do everything they can so they can have some piece of paper to use against people versus making it like more streamlined, easier and not so cumbersome on Mm -hmm. the person. Because to exercise my rights to self-defense or, you know, second amendment rights, I shouldn't have to jump through some kind of hoops and worry I'm going to go to jail because I checked a box wrong or did something
1: wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that's really frustrating is I've noticed ATF agents are extremely like inconsistent. So some will say like, no, you can do that. And then you talk to another one, they're like, you can't do that. Yeah. So it's like, they're so also we had not on the same page either. And then it's like, well, who's, you know, whose like advice do I take and who's going to be the ATF agent that shows up that is going to check all of my books and is it going to be okay in their eyes? But, you know, so it's like, it's just, cause yes. I have, I have two FFLs and I've yet like knock on wood. I have yet to be in, you know,
2: inspected. Yeah. Inspection. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's like, oh, I'm just like dreading the day because who's to say, you know, and especially since they're like cracking down on every little thing. So it's like I keep looking back and making sure like inspecting, but I don't know. And then I just really feel for all the like these gun stores that just do like so many like huge volumes of sales and making sure that everything is okay. And then you're relying on that employee who you're probably paying minimum wage and they don't give a shit. So it's like, well, yeah.
2: uh, it, to me, it seems like a lot of so look at other licensing systems in the United States, driver's licenses, for example. You can renew it by mail, but uh, like I just feel like if enough, as we get these millions and millions of new gun owners, mm-hmm. I want to see more and more pushback against this burdensome regulatory BS. Yeah,
1: I couldn't agree more because
2: then maybe we can get it get stuff changed, like okay. I would prefer because I can in my state, like I could buy guns privately and I don't have to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I can't get everything I want that way. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to have to order some stuff that I want. Or if I win something in a match, it's got to go to my FFL. But I go in there. I mean, several times a month, and so it's frustrating. You're like, I have to fill all this out again, and I'm usually chit chatting with her because I know her. Her husband passed away in the last couple years, and they're mm-hmm. they're they become friends, right? Yeah. So yeah. I want to chat with her and check in and how she's doing, and and I'm sitting here like, don't check anything wrong because I don't want to get in trouble, and I don't want to get her in trouble but I yeah. check the wrong box. You I know. know? I know. It's so dumb.
1: Yeah. All right, Caldwell. You are also sponsored by Caldwell, so you have quite a bit of experience with their stuff. Actually, I'm really excited. I just got the, uh, what are the things where it's the little light that you attach, the cl- oh. the flash. I
2: thought you were going to say Claymore. <laughs> no, well, I
1: did. I did get the Claymore, and I have not set it up yet because I just, I have to make time to go to my range, which is like, I don't know, it's like 45, 50 minutes away. Okay. But so that I'm like, I'm really excited to try out. But I also just got in the mail, like the things that like flash a light when you hit the target, which is like great if you're shooting like 22 or something where you can't necessarily, you won't always hear it hit that steel. So just got those in the mail. I also just reached out and I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I've been doing a little bit of long range shooting. Can I get some bipods? Caldwell makes some pretty good, like affordable bipods. Um, they have all kinds of stuff. They also sent me a brass catcher so you, that you can hook up to your right. gun that, you know, if you don't want to sit there and like pick up your brass afterwards, or if you're required to pick up your brass at the range, that's also a really good device to use. But what are some of your favorite products from Caldwell?
2: Well, so the, the, fl- the target indicator, the, it's called the flashbang. Yes. I don't have those yet. So I'm kind of envious. Oh. So, um, well, girl, but that, that's,
1: You'll get, on yeah, my actually, You'll get on my level. You'll get right. on
2: my level. That's <laughs> actually very helpful for just doing long range stuff. But so some of my favorite products, honestly, are things like one would have to be the brass catchers. Like we have the one that sits on the table next to you. And then there's one that, are you talking about that one or the one that like mounts to the pick rail?
1: Yeah. The one that mounts to the pick rail. I didn't know that there was one that sits next to you.
2: Yeah. Talk about um, that so one. If it,
1: What's that? Well, how does that one work? I don't know if I've even seen that.
2: It just kind of little pop-up thing to catch a brass, like a little net bag Mm -hmm. and you just put it. So say you're going to shoot just a bunch of rifle off a bench Mm -hmm. or prone in the ground. You can set that up right next to you or maybe pistol. Maybe you have, you know, the ability to like set up a, a stool or something that, you know, put that on and it's going to catch your pistol brass, but just something to, uh, so those are helpful for us because we have grass out where we shoot. Yeah. And we're fortunate enough to be able to shoot in our own property, but picking up brass is, I mean, not just weekly like almost daily.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually so looking it's, an, at, it's a tour. so I'm I keep cutting you off. I think we both get like so excited. So I'm looking at it. So the brass trap, which I have not seen before. Then there's the Air 15 brass catcher, and then they mm-hmm. also have a brass retriever, which. I never even saw this before, but it's like this little tumble thing that I'd imagine like the little wires on it, it, it moves, you know, so it'll, it'll pick up, it'll go through like fine dirt, but pick up like some of the larger things, including brass. Yeah.
2: So like, it's like a rolling little cage of wire, um, like a little barrel. So people use those, they work really well on indoor ranges Uh and generally harder ground. They work well, but sometimes even... Depending on how you're, how skilled you are with them, they can be helpful even in the sand because you can kind of like smush it over that brass and then everything else just drains out because it's just like a flexible piece of wire.
1: I might actually order one of these brass retrievers because when I teach a class and I use one of the private ranges and then afterwards I have to clean up all the brass and there's brass yeah. everywhere and it just like there's no easy way of doing it. So I might have to get one of these things. These are kind of yeah, cool. And, those
2: are kind of the ticket.
1: And it's only $59.99, which is pretty affordable because I've seen some other things that are like similar, but they're $200 and up. And then that brass trap is also really nice. I guess, yeah, it just sits on the table and it like literally catches your brass as it's ejecting out of the right-hand side. And then the brass catcher, that's only $17.99.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to go like some of my favorite products, like I really do like the Claymore, the target thrower and that I like it because there's like a little story behind it that it's one of the kids who works there, like in their, I don't know if he's in their engineering department or what he does, but it was his idea. And so the first time we ever saw it, it was like January, February, and we were down visiting them and he was all excited and set up like the prototype of it outside, so we could see. And I thought, how cool is this? Because you don't have to have a battery and lug that out if you want to shoot. Your... You want to just take a shotgun and go out in the mm-hmm. on the hill and mm-hmm. shoot some flying clay targets. You don't have to lug a battery and have some, you know, or have crazy a friend. Thing. Just yeah, you could just do it yourself. Just yeah, step just.
1: We Pretty were, ball. we were actually at the same event when they showed everybody and it was still the prototype and you were there and you brought it up. You're like, so that's why when I saw you at the event and I was like, Hey, Ava, and you just kind of like smirked at me, didn't even really say hi. And I was like, yeah, cause uh-huh. I, I didn't like you then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all right, Becky. I like you now.
2: <laughs> kind uh, of funny. Um, and then, then they also have a bunch of AR, like AR 500 steel. And that's something for me, that's and our family, that's been very beneficial because a lot of times you, you know, you you'll zero and then you want to go kind of confirm your holds at distance mm-hmm. and having steel that, you know, you can shoot with a rifle. That's not going to have a hole in it yeah. is a big deal. So they have all these little, like there's a lot of the NRL hunter matches going on now. So they have, you know, deer, coyote, crows, uh, prairie dogs. So it's kind of neat to see. And they're affordable. Like the Prairie Dog Target is $34.99.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't really beat the price. And then on top of that. So if you guys use the code gunfunny10, you're going to get 10% off. It's all one word. And the website is Wellshooting.com.:
0: Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's question is, how was California? So, I mean, we already kind of talked about this, but yeah, essentially it was pretty dry uh, and dusty, but obviously that's not all of California. Some places are a little nicer than others, but I did joke. I I posted like a picture on my story and I was like, yeah, I'm behind enemy lines, which I know California, all of California isn't like our enemy. There's actually a ton of people in California that are pro-gun It's just, unfortunately, the larger cities that kind of make up, you know, the stupid laws for the rest of California. I actually thought about maybe taking a little vacation and staying a few extra days and driving to other parts of California. But then after kind of researching it, I was like, you know what? Like, we are pretty far from civilization. I'd have to drive probably at least two hours. And then... I don't know. And then I, I just I ran out of time. But I would like to go back to California and visit Yosemite. And you said you've been there, right? Yeah. And like, it's I don't know. Beautiful. Well, especially because the older I get, the more I'm just like, oh, I love nature. I love just seeing stuff that's just like, wow, amazing. And I would love to see like those really big redwood trees. And I think I would just be in awe. So I would like to do that like in the next month or two. But I don't know. I mean, Becky, how would you say how is California?
2: It's beautiful. I mean, every time I get out there, I just kind of chuckle like the weather is always perfect. And when I was getting on my plane, actually, there was a lady who lived there and was flying out because you don't at uh, Burbank airport, you don't have the jetways, you kind of go out on the tarmac and walk up a little ramp to your plane, like you'd see in the movies from the Mm -hmm. 50s. Yeah. And so I was I was kind of laughing like, Oh, my gosh, this is this is kind of funny and very it seems, you know, like something from history. And she said, yeah that she doesn't think they're going to build jetways like they might expand. And I chuckled about the luggage uh, baggage claim being out in the elements. Like it's covered, but it's open air. Mm-hmm. And she said it rarely rains. Like it
1: rarely rains.
2: And I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could live in such a dry environment where all the things I like, my firearms are so heavily regulated.
1: Yeah. I know. I
2: don't know that I could do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, I don't know, maybe things will change for California, but it's unlikely. It just seems like it continues to go down the wrong path with all of their stupid laws. But yeah,
2: I think that that's something, though, that's like a systemic. I mean, it's everywhere you see every state. So like my state, Wisconsin, people are conservative. They're hunters. There's a lot of machining and industry like industrial type, you know, uh, manufacturing and whatnot. There's not this liberal mindset to the entire state, but we see it in the big cities. And then every larger city has a University of Wisconsin campus. And it seems like, wow, they're just using this to spread this thinking. So it's like people joke there are these little islands of insanity in a sea of normalcy because the majority of the country is not what we see happening in politics. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. just these
2: population centers and they've yeah, I mean, we can go off on that. But I, I do think like you said earlier about being more vocal on the politics of the world or especially our country that, you know, people have these phrases like, oh, it's not polite to talk religion and politics. It actually is polite. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it should be it should be the way that you converse with your friends. You shouldn't just okay if you're your religion or your politics, these are things that affect you in real, real ways. Why would you keep that secret? Why would you be quiet about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. People
2: need to be vocal. They need to talk. The millions of new gun owners out there, they need to express and and help all of us who've been here for, for decades using firearms that we have these rights and we shouldn't have to jump through hoops to exercise them.
1: Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Smith and Wesson. The past couple of days, they just released the new m 22 Magnum. It's really close to like the 5.7 that they released. It has that tempo barrel, which means the recoil is like almost like non-existent, which obviously there's not a lot of recoil with 22 Mag to begin with. But with that tempo barrel, if it's anything like the 5.7, they've really like honed in on one, the accuracy, but two, just the recoil. The 5.7 was really enjoyable to shoot. I have not shot... The twenty two mag, they didn't send me one, but I would imagine that it's probably very similar. But ships with two standard magazines that hold 30 rounds, really impressive. And then like the 5.7, it includes an internal hammer rather than striker, so it has a crisp single-action trigger. Sadly, unlike the 5.7, it doesn't come with a threaded barrel, which would have been fun to suppress. It also looks like they're not offering it without the thumb safety, at least for now, but maybe that's something that they come out with later on it's fully ambidextrous with a flat face trigger black armor light finish and then picatinny rail for accessories and then it also is optic ready and comes with fiber optic front sights msrp is 649 and there's a few people that i know that have gotten it so if you guys want to get a review on that just search for them on youtube or if you want to find out more about this gun or see what it looks like head on over to smith-wesson.com
0: tacty Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now.
1: Today in tacty Talk, so Springfield just announced the new Echelon 9mm on Wednesday. This gun looks actually pretty cool. When I saw, I mean, doesn't it kind of suck when like all your friends on social media have this gun? And you're like, oh, I wish Springfield sent me one. <laughs> They sent me every iteration of the Hellcat, but like some of the other guns that I've wanted to try out, like they just, I'm like, Hey guys over here, I would like to get my hands on one, but this one's, so this one's interesting. So I have to, not to like discount, you know, what they've designed, but it does very much remind me of like a SIG 320 and it has like the, so they call it, it's a patent pending central operating group, the COG. Which is the serialized portion and it's self-containing to allow, you know, could be swapped out with different grip modules, very similar to the P320. There's a small, medium, and large grip module, and then three backstrap options. It comes standard with the medium, and then you could purchase the other module separately. Backstraps work for all grip modules. It's also fully ambidextrous and in including the mag release. So it is truly ambi, not like you have to swap out the mag release. It's optic ready for over 30 optics with no mounting plates. The slide is pre-milled for all the common red dots and comes with different screws to mount them. This also means that you can mount it low, so co-witnessing doesn't require taller sights. Some reviewers have still said that, you know, taller sights would have been nice though. The slide has serrations on the front and larger ones on the rear with cocking ears similar to like the VP9, except they're directly milled in the slide. Barrel length is 4.5 and the weight is 1.5 pounds. It comes with 17 and 20 round mags and then uh, 10 round magazines are available if you live in a restricted state. They're saying that it's innovative and has a host of patent pending features, but like I said, I don't know. It kind of does give me that SIG P320 vibes. And then like Ah. I said, that, sorry, my dog's like choking on something. The COG, it definitely looks like, you know, like SIGS, FCU, the fire control unit, which is what the FCU stands for. The ergonomics, takedown method, etc. They're all very similar. And then aesthetically, I'd say it kind of looks like a larger Hellcat Pro. But so far, people have said that it's been pretty reliable. The trigger's good. It has like a nice, clean, crisp trigger on it. MSRP is six seventy nine or 739 with a threaded barrel and then three-dot tritium sights. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, Becky, I know you reviewed the Prodigy. And Prodigy, that-
2: yeah, this would be fun to review. I'm just looking at the the sight, you know, the, the they call it the VIS. Yeah. Uh, so variable interface system so that you could mount, it says, over 30 optics directly to the slide without use of adapter uh, adapter plates. Yeah. So that's, I mean, like for the price, generally when you get something that's optics ready, you also still have to get your adapter plate for your particular optic. So to have something that you could mount like 30 optics, I kind of want to look at the list here on their website that you can mount that many optics to That's really it, it, one. It's a big deal because it saves you money, mm-hmm. but two, it also means you're going to have a lower optics. So you don't have, you know, it's just a better, a better system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Your optics, not like all the way high up there. And yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah.
2: So it says like patent pending, locking, self-locking pins. Like that's very cool. Yeah. So they've got, yeah, like all the, all the major sites, it looks like up here. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of cut you off about the Prodigy.
1: Oh no, no, you're totally fine. I was just going to say you reviewed the Prodigy. I, that was the Prodigy was another gun that I really wanted to get my hands on, but a lot of people reported having, uh, reliability issues. So I'm kind of glad that, you know, with this gun, like, you know, Springfield's not on this path of just releasing a lot of guns that might have some issues with it. It seems like they kind of worked out the kinks if there were any with this gun
2: before. So I think it's something interesting, too, about like new guns coming out. So we had the one that that I was sent to review for the Prodigy. We had one failure to I want to say I got to look at it once in my article here. I think it was a failure to extract and we tried to recreate it. We couldn't. Um, so we took the gun apart and like, tried to look at everything. We couldn't make it happen again. And I did talk to someone that we shoot Bianchi cup with who works with them. And he said, yeah, there was, there's like, there's little things that, that happen that they, they find over. Like, I mean, I know most firearm, I talked with someone who worked at Ruger once and they said they shoot like X number of rounds through every gun and like torture testing kind of stuff. And it sounds like crazy, the number they shoot, but it doesn't mean that like, all right, somebody's shooting this kind of ammo or that kind of ammo that they're not going to run into stuff where they say, Hey, you know, we have to tune the system a little better. And so I don't know. I think I'm more forgiving on, on new guns of like, there's, Oh, there's an issue. Like, well, yeah, like you can have a a shotgun that's been around for decades. And if your springs are all worn and out of whack, then you're going to need to replace them. Like everything runs like perfectly if it's all where it's supposed to be but as you start testing the extremes of things or tolerances of ammo and all that stuff that I think people need to understand like
1: it's going to take a little bit always to get anything perfect mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so who knows maybe I'll get my hands on one maybe you will too but it looks pretty promising and it does it looks like a good looking gun
2: yeah i think so. the the central operating group is interesting, you know, the modularity of it. Yeah. And it's neat to see that starting to happen with pistols more because we have, we have, you know, the AR, which is very modular. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of neat that people are starting to take that same thought process to pistols. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Franklin Armory. Do you have any experience with binary triggers?
2: Um, I personally do not have binary triggers, but I'm probably related to somebody who has some.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really like binary triggers. I I just think it's fun. I don't. They think, are really fun. Like I don't think I would use it for self defense or anything like that. Like, and what's great about it is it's not like you have to dedicate your gun to only a binary trigger where you only shoot in binary mode. What's great about their triggers is you know with like the flip of kind of like the sw- the safety switch on an AR you could do semi-auto, binary or safe and so you're not, you know, just dedicating that gun just strictly to binary. So you could still use it for self-defense if you wanted to. But I just think it's just fun. It's like one of those things where you take to the range and you can't help but like giggle after you use it. Yes, um, yes.
2: They're they're really fun. So my oldest son Tim has a couple of different models of binary and it's it's fun.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. So they also have them for the AR trigger which That was the first binary trigger that I ever got. And it's really easy to install. It's just a drop-in trigger, kind of just like your your normal drop-in AR trigger. It's available in calibers, including 5.56, 308, 9mm, Rimfire, and others. And it's compatible with most bull carrier groups. And it gives you that third binary mode with, like I said, one round of the squeeze of the trigger and then one on release One thing that I will address when I was looking at their website, I couldn't figure out what the ARS one and the ARC one, what the difference between the two, it's literally just one straight and one's curved. But if you don't know that, and and I was just like sitting there, like comparing, like, I don't get it. And it was just, yeah. So right now they're both on sale, $386.99. But if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is franklinarmray.com.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome as f- never mind. AF.
1: Today's AF segment. So, this was really interesting when I read it. I was just like kind of appalled. Bride intimidated by conservatives, a mother to a bride to be, sent a letter to an advice columnist at the Chicago Tribune recently that caused quite a bit of stir on social media. She explained that her leftist daughter was getting married and didn't want to invite Uncle Dave to the wedding because he is conservative. She wrote, Dear Amy, four months before my daughter's wedding, she told me that her uncle, my brother Dave, would make her feel unsafe if he was a guest. She asked me not to invite him. My daughter's very politically progressive, as are many of her friends, and although she and Dave have always had a good relationship, so I thought he is a conservative voter and has supported candidates we all abhor. Dave has been very nice, so my daughter's request surprised me. I wrote Dave a very nice note telling him that we would not be comfortable with him at the wedding and that he would not be invited. Another problem is that Dave has not sent my daughter and son-in-law a wedding gift. In the past, Dave has given family members wedding checks in excess of $1,000. She says she was counting on receiving the same type of gift. My husband says I should just drop it but I can't. Dave's behavior is upsetting and embarrassing to me. The advice columnist, Amy, responded, you seem almost as afraid of your daughter as she is of your brother, but I hope you'll find a way to courageously tell her that the bank of Uncle Dave is closed, at least to your branch of the family. Which I'm just I like- it. I love the response. I know, but isn't this like appalling? Well, especially coming from the is Chicago Tribune, is that- I don't know if it leans I don't know. You know, right or left. I, mean, but I
2: don't know if it has a lean to it. I just think like anybody in Chicago area might...
1: Like I be mean, anti-gun. So they'd be like, well, yeah, might be. you know, like you would automatically, you know, take this woman's side. But like how appalling that you don't invite this guy, this family member, <laughs> because you're so close-minded. And then on top of that, expect a gift.
2: I don't want you to come to my wedding because I don't like that you think a certain way, but I still want your money. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, that's like a parenting fail right there. And I think it reflects, I mean, obviously the husband says you should drop it means he understands that this is embarrassing Yeah. and the, the yeah. mom does not. So I feel like maybe the mother created this daughter mm-hmm. and yes, yeah, she definitely should be the one to say your uncle's not going to give you money, especially if you insult him.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's gosh, kids these days
2: how is it? I mean, it's just, how is it upsetting or embarrassing if your family thinks different from you? I mean, we have some family on my husband's side who's a bit out there, but it's not like it's embarrassing to me. It's their choice.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's not like I'm, you, you don't yeah. claim them and you're just like, Oh, I don't want you at my wedding. It's one thing to like just, you know, not agree or like there's, you know, you just, just don't blatantly get along. But if you guys get along and you're still like, nice to each other and stuff like I don't know it's just
2: yeah if you tell someone not to show up to your party but send a present (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also
1: like how close-minded like I'm actually I'm still friends with a lot of people that don't agree with you know my career and stuff like that or they're not the biggest fan of guns and I'm still friends with them I'm not just going to write off people who don't agree with me I think it's important to have friends from like all different aspects and to have these important conversations and just have a respectful conversation and, and even at the end of the conversation, to realize like, hey, nobody's trying to change your mind. I don't think you're going to change mine. But like, you know, just to converse about it and be like, okay, I respect your decision or your way of thinking. and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's right. I think we have to realize that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. We all share this country, and we can't be so divided that we just absolutely like close our doors to people who disagree with what we believe in you know, especially if it's not hurting anyone. Like, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. All right, time to wrap up so there's no iTunes reviews yet again, which I don't know what's going on. I don't know if like the system's broken and you guys are writing reviews and I'm just not getting it, but this has been a few weeks in a row and it's a little concerning. So, guys, if you haven't left a review, please do so. I would like to know Finally that Becky and I are talking to somebody out there. We're not just talking to each other. Although Becky, I mean, that's what I spent the last couple of days doing and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> I did as well. I'm really glad that we got to, got to kind of reconnect there and I got to at yeah. least understand like, why, do, why does Ava think I'm awful? I know. <laughs> like and shasha was such a i mean it's like oh my gosh so it made me think about interactions i've had with different women where i've thought like this woman wasn't i was like wow she was cold yeah and then i'm like maybe she was just feeling the same as i was like just overwhelmed
1: with everybody like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean
2: or like for me if i'm looking for my bag i'm already five minutes late yeah
1: true no that's Um, that's actually like a really good point because people have also told me they're like yeah when i first met you i thought you were stuck up or really reserved. And I think that I kind of am known for that, you know, because we have our friend Tori who works for a stag and you were like, you told Tori, you're like, I don't think Ava likes me, which you were right. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't wrong. <laughs> but, uh, cause Tori, I said hello to you at AOB and you were yeah.
2: just kind of like, hi. <laughs>
1: yeah. But Tori was like, no, I think she just has, would she say like, I have a dry sense of humor or I, I come off as um, yeah,
2: I think that that is something and I I mean, honestly, I have seen that because you kind of, I don't want to say it's like your shtick, but like, there's people who like you have a dry sense of humor, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think you also, you're not like, like, you are ha- kind of happy bubbly, but like, you're not necessarily always that like, yeah, <laughs> you were willing, yeah. you're willing to make a joke or make somebody think and, and kind of put them on their toes. Yeah. Well, and even that's if, fine
1: even in california there was a few girls there the first day when they brought us into their marketing meeting and i said something and <laughs> you said that one of the girls like her face was just like like she just couldn't believe that i said something and i don't even remember what i said
2: you made a joke and and i feel I think like she took she, it literal i don't know if she did or maybe she didn't get the joke but she just had this blank look on her face where i was like is she pissed Yeah. or does she not get that it was a joke? And then I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, wait, should I not be laughing? I
1: know. I know. So yeah, that's me. I'm, you know, yeah. So I could understand that. So it's, I don't think it's like that far off. I think, you know, I think we just all, I think we all just need to maybe take a step back and realize like we all have other things going on. Or, you know, like, for example, I have resting bitch face all the time. And that's just because I'm just sitting there. I'm like taking in my surroundings or I'm thinking about something. You know, I mean, we all have a lot going on. I'm always thinking about work, unfortunately. And so maybe even like my face just kind of looks like I'm like bitchy, but really, I just have a lot going on and I don't mean to come off that way. So I think we just kind of need to take a step back and just kind of like give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes as opposed to just reacting to, you know, our first like not even our first, but like any, you know, any run in with them. Like I guess any. So until you really get to know them.
2: I think it's funny about, you know, like the idea of resting bitch face. Okay, so why is there not the same thing for men? They're allowed to just not always have to have a. Matt, smile plastered on their face and always be like, everything's, you know what I mean? Like always sunny and, and everything, like, it's nice to be personable And when you're at, at events. Yes. You want to be personable and approachable and all that. But there's moments where like, Oh, I'm thinking about where do I have to be next? And my family's not answering my texts and we're going to be late. like, yeah, it's acceptable to be human. And I always kind of laugh when I think about like, there's no resting dick face, right? <laughs> That's actually a really not good an point. Expression.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's, right? that is a good point. Like women are expected to just be like, Oh, Hey, like happy and approachable. And then men, if they're not, it's totally fine. And we don't even think anything of it. So yeah, yeah. Right.
2: So why is it like women? Oh, you're not completely smiling, happy, ready to make the world a sunny place.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> All right, guys, yeah. it is time to wrap up. Head on over to gunfunny.com. You can find links to everything. Also, check out the new podcast, Pew Pew Panel. Now there's three episodes out, and it's doing well, actually. Lots of people are downloading the show, listening, so I think people like it, but really interested to hear what you guys, you know, what your thoughts are on it. Even leave a review. Let me know what you think about the new show. I'm really curious. And if you really like the show and you want to support it, consider it becoming a Patreon. You can make a one-time donation or monthly donation once a month, and you get access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. Somebody actually just sent me a birthday gift. My birthday is not for a few more days, but... Somebody in that group just sent me a birthday gift, which I really appreciated. It was a bunch of patches and like a really cool shirt of this girl. I think it's called Bad Attitude Department, the company. And it's this girl with an umbrella and she's holding an AK. And it was like kind of funny. And I'm like, I would totally wear this. But again, the Facebook group has just become like a really nice, close knit sort of like family, you know, like we're all just really close in that group. So definitely join us there. Also, Blown Deadline, he's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. And if you haven't heard of him, he does really awesome Cerakote jobs. And then also, I want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Ridings, and William Knave. And then King of the Patreon, who is still Jon Snow. And Becky, thank you once again. I know you have so much going on, so I really appreciate you fitting me in to come on this show again. And I just really appreciate your friendship and thanks for just being so awesome in the industry. And, you know, I'm really glad that I got to spend the last couple of days with you. And guys, if you're not following Becky on social media, definitely follow her, show your support. It's always nice to see, you know, just women just conquering the industry and and doing so well at it. So thank you again. Can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find you on social media?
2: Sure. Most I'm I'm busiest on Instagram because it's kind of easy. Um, so that's just Becky Yackley and the same with Facebook and then Twitter. It's just Yackley and the number five.
1: All right. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you
2: for having me. I really appreciate and I enjoyed my morning out here chatting with you.
1: I know. And if you guys are wondering what's in the background, it's because Becky's sitting outside and there's birds chirping in the background, which I kind of enjoy. But I guess if you don't know what you're listening to, you're like, what is that noise?
2: <laughs> and I'm sorry. Like, I think my boys took off in the cars, and I'm like, don't start the car right next to me because I'm sitting on the porch of the cabin. And- <laughs> I'm
1: like, stop. No, I I didn't even hear it. I just, I hear the birds like just chirping like lightly. So it's kind of nice, but all right. Well, thank you again, Becky and guys. I will talk to you next week.
0: Bye. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.